I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about election week and what is to come. So grab your election certification. And let's get civical. Hello, everybody. Hello. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you still hungover? Are you still hungover? Have you eaten a vegetable? Are you, have you gotten rest? What a week it has been. Seriously, like just an emotional roller coaster. Totally. And what's crazy is when we, Obviously, we didn't really talk about the election in our Liberty Bell episode because we specifically didn't want to talk about any election things in our Liberty Bell episode. But the one before that, when we were talking about how the week was going to go and how, like, you know, it was going to take several days. And basically, when you when I look back, I'm like, this went exactly how I predicted it would go. Mm. It just being in it, as far as like the time, the timeline. But when I was in it, I was just like, this is crazy that it's like, you know, Thursday and then it was Friday and then it was Saturday. Uh, it was it was a really wild, wild ride. It was it was wild. I also feel like, you know, because we were waiting, I felt like we were waiting for, you know, literally decades for mm-hmm. some kind of news to be announced 
in this precarious position of like it's 253 and like the yeah. number of times that Steve Kornacki, you know, would like give us oh numbers gosh. and then like, you know, here's this path. And like, I kept going yeah. to like the New York times website. Cause they had this like really cool, like flow thing where you could select the States that like either Biden or Trump would get and like how it would work out. And then by the time it got to Saturday, I just felt like we had no warning. Sure. Well, what was interesting, I was watching, so I also was watching Steve Kornacki. Also, shout out to Steve Kornacki. MSNBC was at the board for like 72 hours straight, just breaking down numbers and all that stuff. But what was so funny to me was on Friday night when he was, so we had been getting votes in from Pennsylvania and what we had been learning throughout pretty much all of Friday was that they were consistently breaking for Biden. Um, Yeah. Something like two to one for Biden. And so by the end of Friday, I think Biden was up by 20 or 25,000 votes at that point. And he was just he was just so clearly and the only like in the kindest way being like, I really just don't see how there's any possibility yeah. for Trump to win. And, and Twitter's blowing up being like, will somebody please call this race so that Steve Kornacki can go to sleep? Because it, the, they went to him probably three or four times, especially in like the primetime slots. And he just kept being like, you know, I really just, when you just, you think, I know there's provisional ballots, but it just doesn't really seem like he was, he just kept, I guess, saying without saying the fact that he was like, you guys need to call this. This (laughs) Yes. You need to call this state. And by, by calling the state, please end my torment. Please end my torment. I just cannot make up anything else live on air i am running out of white button downs i'm running out of post-it notes i'm running out of post-it notes my pencil is bitten to the core somebody please put me out of my misery (laughs) call this state oh my god i uh so i went upstate to a friend's house for the weekend just to like hang out and i had driven down to the grocery store at like you know 11 o'clock and on the way, like, I was listening to other things, like, completely, like, not paying attention to election stuff, you know, in, like, the one hour that it would have been helpful for mm-hmm. me to, like, have the news on. And I get back, and I'm, like, making an omelet. And my mom calls me, and she's got, like, tears in her eyes. Mm. And she's like, he won! It's over! And I was like, what? What, yeah. what are you talking about? And so I, like, flip open my laptop, put on MSNBC, and just enough time to see, like... Joe Scarborough be like, Steve Kornacki needs a raise. Please go oh, to I bed. Oh, I saw that too. And Steve's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> I do need a raise, man. I do Hit need me. a raise for doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching MSNBC when it broke. And what was so weird about it, well, because I was watching it simply because I wanted to watch Steve Kornacki, like sort of like my heart and soul. Yeah. And they were doing they were doing a segment and talking to somebody else. I mean, like the whole the whole – 72 hours, they were just grabbing anybody who could talk about the same things, but like a little bit differently, you know, like this advisor, this former person, this uh, former senator, whatever. And so they were doing a segment with somebody and just asking them about the election. And then they were like, um, we have some breaking news. Joseph Biden is now the the 46th president or whatever is the president elect. And it was just so quick that I was like, oh, 
Oh my god. Okay, we're here. Okay, okay. Like I called my roommates. I was like, it happened. It's over. So you know, because by that point we had been waiting on Pennsylvania for at least twenty four hours. You yeah. know, like nothing had. That was. I think that was what was surprising to me is I. I didn't expect. I expected the length of time that it took. I just didn't expect the length of time where not like there were no states being called. Like when it was down to you know the six or or the the five whatever the ones that were remaining. Yeah, there was just a long period of time between when Michigan and Wisconsin were called. Yep. And then any other state. <laughs> yes, it felt interminable. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I didn't expect like all five of them to kind of like be in limbo, you know? Yes. Um, so that was, yeah, that was wild. It was wild. It's still wild. Yeah. Just to update everybody on where we are truly as of this moment, which is Sunday night. So three days before this is about to air. Look, it's it may change. It may not change in this p- time period. I don't know. So depending on where you're looking at, the Associated Press and strangely Fox News have Joe Biden at 290 because they've awarded Arizona or they've they've projected that he will win Arizona. And the New York Times, NBC, ABC, sort of every other news outlet has Joe Biden at 279. They have not called Arizona yet. And Trump is at 214 across the board. Obviously, you need 270 of the Electoral College numbers to become the president of the United States. So with or without Arizona, Joe Biden is over 270. Uh, Yes. So that's where we're at right now. We are still waiting for North Carolina to be called. We're still waiting for Georgia to be called. We're still waiting, depending on where you're watching, for Arizona. And strangely... Alaska. Alaska. Alaska so, just holding out. So interesting. Really think it's it going to go for Biden. No. I can't imagine. It's just like the nail in the coffin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so that's kind of where, where the numbers are at right now. So what we're kind of where we're at. This is where we're at. Let me just let me tell you where we're at. Joe Biden has been projected as the president elect. He's been made the president elect of the United States. That basically means that... According to all of the independent projectors, news desks, all the of, across all of the networks, mind you, again, I, this is including Fox News. Everybody has projected that there is no path forward in which Trump can get to 70 of the votes. No. As is. Yep. So with that, as in any presidential election in modern time, it comes out, it is projected who the winner will be. That's never really been widely contested other than Bush v. Gore. Gore, It was, you know, when we were, which which we talked about in our Bush v. Gore episode when, of course, Florida was kind of up in the air. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the legal challenges that have, uh, that have begun, that had started beginning throughout election week, you know, honestly, as everybody saw. Yep. And what potentially may happen moving forward. I think the one major thing that I want to obviously differentiate between Bush v. Gore, which is kind of the only thing we can really look to for like modern precedent about how a potential judicial system intervention can play out. The difference between that and what's happening here is Bush v. Gore, we were talking about Florida and a very specific part of Florida. 
Yeah, and a very specific batch of votes. Yeah, a very specific circumstance. A recount, very specific set of circumstances that had to do with like the way ballots were punched, Mm -hmm. how they were counted, what was the like the method by which we were going to count some of these votes, and when we were like, you know, it was very, very specific. This is like. From my this understanding, is several states. This is several states. Like <laughs> I, Lizzie has done the research. I have not done the research on the legal challenges. Quite frankly, I there's what? no hope. I you just, don't. I see don't. It? <laughs> I don't see it happening for one Donald sure. J. Trump. I so I'm like whatever. But it's important to note that like they it's are happening, and he's not. You know, some like some commentator that I was listening to this week was like, we're not talking about. Like a couple hundred votes. We're talking no, we're about not. dozens of thousands of votes that would right. have to be deemed fraudulent in order for a state to flip from Biden to Trump. And that's just not going to happen. You're talking Correct. about – it's like an insurmountable number of votes. Like these legal challenges just don't have water, especially since he's like, count them here. Don't count them there. And it's like, well, right. what's your legal standing then? Because – Which one is it? Which, which one is, one is it? You're we hot can't have it both You're yes ways. and you're no. You're uh-huh. in and you're out. You're up and you're down. You're hot and you're cold. What do you want? Your actions don't exactly. match your words. What are you doing? Yeah. And speaking of margins, I think it's really helpful to note, just to give the listeners an idea who haven't been sort of watching Steve Kornacki in the way that um, sort of like we have kind of obsessively, the closest race – of, of any of the sort of like states where there's going to be potential challenges in is Georgia, where Biden is leading by 10,000 votes as of right Ooh. now. So it, it was like 2000 and it's been steadily growing. It hit 10,000 today. They're still showing as 99% reporting. So I don't know how many ballots are necessarily left, but so that's the, that is the smallest number of, of votes that, Trump would have to overturn is 10,000. So it's, that's a lot. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of votes. It's a lot. Yep. So let's just kind of talk about some of the legal challenges. And I'm going to be referencing a really great article that was put out by one ABC News, Meredith Deliso and Catherine Thorbeck. And it basically just goes through each state. I'm going to go, I'm going to do Pennsylvania last because that is to me, I think, where if I'm guessing what the Trump campaign does, I think they will put a lot of attention on Pennsylvania because mm, without mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, Trump does not have a path forward. No. So if I'm Trump, I want to oh, I want to flip Pennsylvania. Yeah. But let's start. Um, one of the first things that was issued was uh, and this is something that we'll see a lot that we've seen a lot with the with the legal challenges. So one of the first ones that we saw come out was uh, with Michigan. And this came out on Wednesday. I think Michigan and Wisconsin both had ones that came out on Wednesday. They tried the whole thing was like trying to stop the vote counting. Like that was like during during Wednesday and like parts of Thursday, the whole the whole goal was to get (laughs) it was to like stop counting here definitely count over here where he's like gaining traction but like stop it in where he's not winning but it's centered around this idea that poll watchers which each state has different rules on poll watching Mm -hmm. and uh you know some are like it's free anybody can walk in and watch this and it's whatever some are very strict so in michigan The Trump campaign filed a lawsuit asking the vote counting stop until courts can enforce rules that permit campaign observers 
to watch the ballots being open and counted. The campaign alleged that poll watchers were being denied close-up access to observe vote counting at locations in Detroit. So a lot of these lawsuits you're seeing sort of conveniently rests in the in the big counties that helped flip the state for Biden. Right. On Thursday, this lawsuit in Michigan was denied by a judge saying basically on the basis that there was not there was a lack of evidence and detail provided by the campaign. So it's another thing you're going to see a lack of evidence it's kind it's so of like weird for Trump. He the loves theme evidence. right now. So he that comes up again. Evidence. The next one I'm going to talk about, this one is super interesting and just kind of developed a little later today. Arizona, Ooh. specifically in Maricopa County, which is the county that also helped flip the state to Biden. But Trump has actually been kind of streaking that lead that Biden had initially. I don't think that he has enough to take the state back. But anyways, yeah. Maricopa County has been a big county. And there was this thing where there was this kind of, um, I guess, rumor. So what they can do in their ballots is they can fill it out with like a black or blue pen or a Sharpie. And the rumor started or, or it was reported that that the Sharpie was bleeding through the ballots, therefore potentially like messing up like the ballots. And so that like that could sway, you know, if it bleeds through, it might bleed through and bleed through for Joe Biden or Mm. it won't get counted or it's been, you know, destroyed basically. So it's kind of this like Sharpie gate thing. Oh my God. And (laughs) and please tell me that Sharpie put out a tweet that was like, we want no part. It's not us. (laughs) It's not us. (laughs) Well, basically the, uh, I believe it was the secretary of state. I could be wrong. It could be some other election official in Arizona. They did an investigation. The Sharpie does not bleed through the ballots. They are they use Sharpies all the time. It base and the this has this lawsuit has also been dismissed because it turns out that there is no sign of any sort of ballot uh whatever it's called, like destruction because of Sharpies. So that oh was God. that happened in Arizona. That's so nuts. I know. Then there's Nevada, sort of slow counting Nevada, who's just been taking her sweet time. And this one was a little different in that, again, the the Trump administration sued Clark County, which was, again, the big county in Nevada that everybody was waiting on the votes on that were probably going to be for Biden, that was probably going to make Nevada go by, you know, be Biden. Yeah. But this one was because they were alleging that there was, quote, lax procedures for authenticating mail-in ballots and over 3,000 instances of ineligible individuals casting ballots. So something that came into play in Nevada was this, um, the Trump campaign was alleging that like people who had moved out of state were voting, dead people were voting, people who should not be voting are voting. Ah, yes, the old tropes. The old tropes. And basically, I believe the Secretary of State of Nevada was like, there's, this is, this is not an issue. I also feel like if Trump really felt that that was an issue, like if the Trump campaign felt that it was an issue that they were legitimately concerned about, that is an issue to bring before the court before the election. Like if you, right. well, like, but you these have laws to understand is the they books. didn't predict, they did not predict losing. losing? <laughs> I would say <laughs> this lawsuit that was filed to again stop the counting. Until it was rectified, uh, was denied uh, because the judge uh, didn't think that the plaintiffs came to the court with, quote, sufficient evidence 
to get what is required of the, quote, extraordinary relief of an injunction that would get him to dictate how Clark County should do their job. So again, lawsuit brought up. The judge is like, you're not bringing evidence. I'm seeing a theme here. You are asserting and there is no evidence whatsoever. I'm sensing a strong theme. So two more states, Georgia. Lover. Sort of like saucy Georgia, which again, as I said, Trump ha- or Biden has the slimmest lead as of right now from all the states that I've talked about. A, the Trump campaign filed a lawsuit with uh, uh, in Chatham County, which again, county that was very important to Biden winning Georgia or Biden going ahead in Georgia, I should say. And this one, well, there was two things that happened. The first thing was there was rumors that the soft uh, that a software portion of, of the ballot counting was like malfunctioning or whatever that proves to not be the case and that it didn't affect the actual outcome of the votes counting the second one major one is was one about how there they were alleging that ballots were being counted that came in mail-in ballots i should say that came in after the state's deadline for mail-in ballots to be in and they were still being counted and that Lawsuit was dismissed uh, by a judge citing lack of evidence that the ballots referenced in the petition were received after the deadline. So, once again, no evidence. No evidence. (laughs) No evidence. And now let's finally talk about Pennsylvania. Because, again, like I said, I think this is, I don't know, if I had to guess, this would be where I would focus my efforts. Because you really do need Pennsylvania at at this moment. Yeah. So... Pennsylvania has ha- already had a lawsuit sort of war going on between Republican Pennsylvania Republicans and Pennsylvania Democrats, mostly based on the extension of the mail-in ballot deadline. So they extend it was extended and the courts, the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court upheld that it could be extended and the Republicans were challenging that. Mm-hmm. And it was pending review by the Supreme Court. So mm-hmm. the interim action was that the ballots that were received after the original deadline, let's say it was Election Day, I'm not actually sure what day they were actually due before this de- this was extended. Anything was, that was received after that in the potential new extension yeah. would have to be separated and counted separately. So that's what they that's that's what everybody agreed on. That seems very that logical. They have to put them over here until this is resolved, and I then love it either idea. like is a part of the final count or it's not. Right, but you're it is still important. counting the votes. I believe it's something around this will count for around three to four thousand ballots. And again, right now, Biden is up in Pennsylvania by about forty-one thousand votes. So what happened on? I want to say. Oh, the first thing that happened on Wednesday was that the Trump campaign filed a lawsuit saying that they were not given, were not allowed to, quote, meaningfully watch the vote count in, you guessed it, Philadelphia County, big uh, county for Biden. Yep. Can you believe it? A Pennsylvania judge actually granted the Trump campaign's re- request to observe Philadelphia poll workers as they process the remaining mail-in ballots. So they were like, yes, you can come in, you can watch. Basically, the Trump campaign was like, we're not being allowed to watch this properly. We're not being allowed to, like you know, be super, super close and watch this. And they were basically using this to get them to stop counting the votes, which a judge was like, no. No, No, you can move closer, but you were not stopping the votes. No. So that was denied. And so then about these ballots, 
The Trump campaign filed a lawsuit to get the ballots that were segregated, that were separated, from stop to not be counted. Like, just put them aside. Don't count them. And that went to the Supreme Court. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know how the justices, like, one of them will make a quick decision because it's like their jurisdiction. Uh-huh. You know when that happens. Yep. So none other than Samuel Alito ah. made a quick decision and was like, Yes, we separate the ballots. No, you can't stop counting them. We will continue to review what to do with these ballots since it's still a pending thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, you have to count them. Yeah. No, you don't have to put them with the other ballots, but that's what it is. So we actually did get a Samuel Alito ruling on Thursday, which I was like, oh my God. What are you doing here? Everybody's on call. Everybody's on call. When that came on the news, I was like, oh my God, Alito, go home. So those are kind of like the major states that have obviously been in play this entire week. You know, sort of a rough outline of the various lawsuits that have been brought out so far. I could safely say my opinion is the Trump campaign has had slim to no legal victories thus far. Thank God. In any of the states that they have so far targeted, which have all been states that have come into, like, the last states that were, you know, came into play as far as deciding the projection of how this election was going to turn out. Yep. So the other thing to note uh, is that they, the campaign did announce that they were going to file a series of lawsuits on Monday, which is tomorrow for us and two days ago for those of you listening. So... I don't know yet what that's going to be. My guess is that it's going to center around, obviously, claims of voter fraud. It's probably going to continue to center around poll watchers not being given, you know, accurate access to ballot counting. They might request recounts in some places that they are, you know, allowed to request a recount for, although... Those margins are widening, so that's not really looking good for them. No. No, it's it's pretty crazy. So again, I don't I don't necessarily know exactly what the legal challenges are going to be. What I what I'm going to do is if we do hear tomorrow what they are, I'm gonna insert future Lizzie in right now to tell us what that update is so we are yeah. up to speed. So future Lizzie, let us know what has happened. What has happened? Hello, it's Future Lizzie, and just like I teased when we recorded this episode, we do have a couple of updates about the sort of legal challenges that the Trump campaign is sort of mounting against the election results. I would say two to three big things. The first one is an actual lawsuit that they filed in Pennsylvania, heard of her, where they basically are trying to stop the certification of the election results in that state. We will go over what election result certification is a little bit later in this episode, so you can learn more about that. They are alleging that their observers weren't given appropriate observation of the ballot counting, and they are also alleging that the what sort of in Pennsylvania when you mail in your ballot and also when you go in person, there is a signature match 
that you that the voter has to go through and that the poll worker has to confirm that it's the same signature. So you're not trying to pretend to be somebody else. And they're alleging that the signature matching process between mail in ballots and what is done in person were not equal. So therefore, if you went in person, the it was a strict signature matching system, but by mail in ballots, they were just, you know, being willy nilly about matching the signatures. Again, worth noting, no evidence to support any of this. It will be obviously brought before the uh, a judge in Pennsylvania before I imagine being moved up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and perhaps even the Supreme Court. You know, who's to say if they will take up this case? But um, at least a judge in Pennsylvania will be ruling on that sometime in the coming days, I would imagine. Another big update is that William Barr, remember William Bilbo Baggins Barr, who is the Attorney General of the United States, sent around a memo to the Justice Department saying that they should investigate any valid claims of voter fraud. This is obviously wildly concerning, as the Justice Department should not really have any role in sort of partisan uh election contentions. Um, But this is not surprising that we're seeing this from William Bilbo Baggins Barr. A higher up in the uh, sort of election fraud branch of the Justice Justice Department immediately resigned upon getting this memo. So that kind of gives you an idea of how people in that department perhaps are reacting to the idea of the Justice Department intervening to sort of overturn results for an election. And then finally, sort of like hilariously, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Heard of him? He just today, and I'm giving you this update truly on Tuesday evening because I wanted to give you the most updated (laughs) information as I could, gave a press conference where he quite literally said there will be a, quote, peaceful transition to a Trump second term, which I know if you're listening sounds in fucking sane, considering that Trump did not win this election. So again, you have sort of the Secretary of State of the United States sort of pursuing and pushing this unsubstantiated claim that the Trump campaign is making that not only did they win the election, but that they won it because there was tens of thousands, almost hundreds of thousands of cases of voter fraud across the continental U.S., which I again cannot stress has not been substantiated in any way, shape, or form. So that's the updates as of right now. You guys, it's going to keep being, things are just going to keep coming out. Lawsuits will continue to come out and we will be tracking those, obviously. Can't stress enough, cannot stress enough that uh, it is so normal for a projected, it is so normal for a projection to be called by media outlets. Again, it is based on the voting information provided by the states. So it's not the news media going in and being like, oh, who do we think won this? The states are providing updates on the ballots as they're being counted. There is, it is 
customary for a projected winner to be called. And it is also customary for members of the opposite party to sort of congratulate the president-elect and to at least acknowledge that they are the president-elect. So this is quite uh, surreal and quite unusual what's happening, but we'll continue to monitor it. And again, no evidence of fraud. Can't stress it enough. So I'm gonna, we're gonna hop to a commercial break right now, and then uh, we're gonna hop back into uh, to our episode. So stay tuned for more. We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. That's where we're at. That's where we were at. That's the week that we've had. Wow. Oh, wow. 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 So speaking of decisions, because another big thing that we uh, talked about is, you know, this whole thing the the Trump campaign is now putting out this sort of slogan of the media doesn't decide the election, which is correct. The voters decide the election. The media simply just reports on Mm -hmm. the amount of votes that have come in for each state and does the statistical math. To figure out, which I'm, I guess kind of anybody could probably do this math if they had the numbers readily available yeah, to them. Yeah, if you had the data. Yeah. It's just, it's just data and it's statistics at this point, but you're right. The media does not declare the winners. The media simply reports on what the votes and the data is telling us, yeah. which in this case is that Biden will be the next president of the United States. But, um, but something that Trump tweeted god help me uh i think yesterday or today who times is construct was that times is not real not real but that the election had not been certified yet and that is true so we're going to talk about canvassing and certifying the vote what that means so right now everything is a projection joe biden is the president elect it is you know 
This happens every single election, presidential yep. election. This is exactly how it works. This isn't a new thing. This always is how it is. Everybody learns who the president is because the media projects who it's going to be. So again, not new. But um, so this information is coming from the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, which we love to see. Yep. So, quote, the outcome of the election is not official until the completion of the canvas of votes and certification of results, which sometimes may be several weeks after Election Day. The purpose of the canvas is to account for every ballot cast and to ensure that each valid vote is included in the official results. For an election official, the canvas means aggregating or confirming every valid ballot cast and counted, absentee, early voting, election day, provisional, challenged, and uniformed, and overseas citizens. The canvas enables an election official to resolve discrepancies, correct errors, and take any remedial actions necessary to ensure completeness and accuracy before certifying the election. So this is basically, they're going through making sure everything is good. Everything's kosher. Everything's good to go. Everything's good to go. People who voted, who are supposed to have their vote counted, they get counted. No irregularities. No irregularities. Let me say this as well. There are going to be handfuls of cases where you're like, oh, this shouldn't have been counted. We are talking in at most hundreds, not thousands. It is quite unusual for there to be massive voting irregularities. And by unusual, I mean it has never happened. No. Before. And even hundreds, I think statistically would be like, I it's a stretch. A huge I'm saying hundreds anomaly. across the yeah. United States. Yes, yes, yes. Not within necessarily one Not state. a single state. Yes. The Canvas Board may be responsible for releasing the certification of election results after it reconciles the results from precincts, early voting sites, absentee voting, provisional and challenged ballots, and uniformed and overseas citizen ballots. The certification of results often includes information about the following. Number one, reconciled precinct totals, including provisional and challenge ballots. Number two, reconciled vote center totals, including provisional and challenge ballots. Number three, reconciled write-in totals, including provisional and challenge ballots. Number four, all duplicated ballots. Number five, all replacement ballots issued at the polling site after a ballot was spoiled. And number six, all rejected ballots. The documentation of the Canvas's board's activities is published everywhere. It is given to both candidates. Everybody, everybody gets these results. Everybody gets the results. The public can see them. They're accessible. If you really want to go like deep dive, you are Which you know like, we do. Please go do be and report back. If and you report back do, to if us. you want to deep dive into the into the certification of Arizona's ballots at some point, like please hit us up. We please will talk. do it. Once this is over in every state, that is it. The election is over. This is what the Trump campaign is saying decides an election, which technically is true. However, never in the history of, like, Bush v. Gore doesn't even count because the courts decided that. But never in the history of our country has the certification process changed the outcome of a projected election no because the the actual certification can be it's different by state but like the certification is like a moment where the person who can certify the or the the person or the group of people who can certify the vote basically look at it and be like yep everything was done correctly and we're good and we certified the actual counting and this and like the canvassing and reconciling and everything that is literally happening right now across 
you know, the 50 states and all of the ballots that come in from the troops and, and you know, overseas people, like, that's that's all all of the the meat of the work is happening right now. And that's what Trump is trying to stop in multiple states. He's right. actually just trying to stop the counting of the vote. The certifying is like, I mean, the certifying matters to him because that's the point at which, like, he can no longer right. fight it. I mean, I guess he could in some way maybe in I a think court it would be of law hard. I mean like, it would be point, really hard yeah at this point I think he is putting all of his eggs in yeah. the basket of the judicial system and yeah. probably specifically Shock. the supreme court in the sense of like he needs to get a ruling that throws out tens of hundreds of thousands of ballots yeah that's what that is that is what he needs because because there's no other there's nothing else so his eggs are in that basket but i'm also you know knowing the supreme court sort of like a dark i know well sort of like my you know the extension of myself (laughs) that i no longer recognize when i look in the mirror if you know what lizzie just if you know what lizzie just referenced what lyric tweet at us tweet at us tweet at us i don't think that the supreme court will take up any case about this election unless it there is obviously evidence and also number two it would change the outcome Uh, that's why you have to focus mostly on pennsylvania i think unless they're trying unless they're going to release a lawsuit and again i don't know but future lizzie who just spoke will know unless they're trying to get a lawsuit that covers six states all in once but they've already put out lawsuits that that it's different things that they're going after in each of the states you know it's not it's not something that can be wrapped up together. Like, you can't deal with not being able to observe the ballots and a glitch in the computer system on the same court case, you know? Like, those are two different issues here. Right. And also, if he's that concerned about, like, having his people in the polling places and he's concerned about the Sharpies and he's concerned about <laughs> the electronic glitches, like, you know, dude, like, you'd have a better argument if you almost focused on all 50 states. Like... I'm sure there's some shit like he could get angry about in California, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to like lodge that legal complaint because there's no hope that he could ever win California. So he doesn't care about it. He cares about the states where he thinks he could potentially get some kind of vote count back in his favor. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's like, you know, it's just I I mean, it's a lost cause. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lost yeah. cause. I don't, I truly, I mean, and I know that we're dealing with a 6-3 majority, conservative majority in the, in the Supreme Court right now, but I, with, without something unreal coming out as evidence in, which, I mean, they're filing a lawsuit tomorrow, so I, I they must think that they already have some sort of unreal evidence, but quite simply, nobody else does. I yep. don't think that the Supreme Court will take up this case because the margin that he needs to get back is so large now that i can't even imagine a situation which you throw out over forty thousand ballots which is what the lead is in pennsylvania he'd have to win that in multiple states like you know say he takes george i mean he's gonna take north carolina he's gonna get alaska's three you know like (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna have to win multiple legal challenges to get to two like there's just no yeah there's no it's a long shot it's a long shot it's a it's yeah so that's where we're at now i am operating because i feel very confident about this i am operating as though joe biden is the next president of the united states because 
That is what I mean, the numbers, not, the math tells us. And if not, we're all going to, I mean, like, could you imagine the entire country celebrates Instagram, Twitter, all of the social media is full of people like, fuck yeah, Biden, and like all of that. And then it comes out that like Trump, I mean, like, that would, that's worse than the Javits Center. <laughs> that, well, it's, it's so, it's just unfathomable to me because there's no evidence, you know, like no. if, if there was generally in this week coming out stories where it's like, oh, you know, and everybody like the reporting, the secretaries of state, the governors were all like, we really need to investigate this. Yeah, I would be a little more anxious, but no, no, no nobody, nobody, Democratic the or Republican yeah. has has that is involved in the election counting process has yeah. come out and been like, this is a thing. Yeah. So. Joe, Joe Biden is the projected, you know, president-elect, 46th president of the United States, which means that one Donald J. Trump is about to enter what is called a lame duck session. Yep. So we thought we'd quickly touch on touch on the what, lame duck. What a lame duck session is. It's got a funny yeah. name. And you know what? We're going to tell you where it came from, too. Yes. So all of this is coming from the Senate. We know her. We love her. An outlet called Gen, capital G, capital E, capital N, which is a outlet for medium. That's like their political outlet. An article by Ben Jacobs and our friends at the Constitution Center. We can't be without them, really. We can't be without them. So according to the, to the Senate, Congress, when Congress or either chamber, so either the House or the Senate, reconvenes in an even-numbered year following the November general elections to consider various items of business, it's called a lame duck session. Some lawmakers who return for this session will not be in the next Congress, hence they are informally called lame duck members participating in a lame duck session, which basically means like, you know, the people who were in power before the election in some way, shape or form are will no longer have that power when either like the president is inaugurated, the, like there's a new president right. inaugurated or the people who are sitting there have been voted out of their Mm-hmm. seats uh in the general election and so they're just kind of like hanging out mm-hmm. today this is from the constitution center today the session period usually lasts from mid-november to the christmas period in election years but can extend to january 2nd of the following year depending on like if they want to call people back on the following day january 3rd a new session begins and every other year it contains new members of congress so the members of Congress and the House, they get elected every two years and even numbered years. And then they go and they, you know, if they are going back to Congress, to the House, they'll go back on the 3rd of January in a new cycle. So this is from Ben Jacobs at Jen, quote, according to the Congressional Research Service, the term lame duck comes from 18th century Great Britain, mm-hmm. where we know we love her where it was applied to bankrupt business people who were likened to wounded waterfowl. Sure. <laughs> Just call me a wounded waterfowl. I, I am a lame duck, if ever there was one. Hell Hi, yeah. Columbia. The term was eventually extended by the 1830s to elected officials with a limited and discreet tenure in office remaining. So in that sense, we can apply it to Trump because, thank you, America, he has Ten- a limited and discreet tenure in office. He does have a lot. And shout out. He shout out. He shout out. He shout out. So there, it's, you know, generally considered a period of like, what are we going to get done? What could we possibly, like, who's going to do what? Yeah. You know, especially if the president isn't coming back and he is in his first term, depending on what turnover there's been in the House and Senate, 
generally it can be considered like just kind of a dead period. Right. You give like awards, you do a pardon here and there. Yes, yes. Hamana shah. Hamana hamana shah. But there have been some former lame ducks where things have been more exciting. A little spicy? Uh, than boring. Yeah. A little spicy, a little, you know. So in 1940, Congress met to decide how to address the threat of World War II. Sure. I mean, feels Big. like a good... Op- yeah, feels like Big. exactly what you need to be addressing during a lame duck session. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Uh, in 1950, Chinese troops entered the Korean War during a lame duck session, and Congress debated the use of nuclear weapons in the conflict. We did not oh learn our lesson. God. I, I know. Like, <laughs> we're still paying the cities in Japan. Like, come on. Four years later, so in 1954, the Senate met in a lame duck session to consider censuring Senator Joseph McCarthy, a la the McCarthy hearing. Wish you would. Yep. Censor him, honey. <laughs> In 1974, Congress approved the nomination of Nelson Rockefeller as vice president during a lame duck session. After Ronald Reagan's victory in 1980, the lame duck Congress found a way in a bi- in a bipartisan manner. <laughs> Heard of it? Heard of it? Do we know? To pass budget resolutions that were delayed during the election. Great. Bipartisan. Let's work together. Let's pass let's do it let's together. Let's pass a budget. Yes, we're going to have to do that this lame duck. Jimmy Carter, when he was in office, reached a deal with Iran just before leaving office in the lame duck. Because there's nothing he can't do. There's because there's he nothing he can't do. do. Except get reelected. Um, Except reelected. <laughs> just, just, sorry, Jimmy. George H.W. Bush, Papa Bush, rest in peace, deployed troops to Somalia during a lame duck. Sure. And in 1998, a Republican-controlled House approved articles of impeachment against President Bill Clinton. And all that was from yeah. the Constitution Center. So, like, generally, like, people think of, like, a lame duck. I think it's also in the name. Like, lame duck. Like, you know, like, it's, it's not supposed to be, you know, it's not like, you know, the wily Coyote exciting session. You know, it's like sure. the lame Sure. Duck. <laughs> it's, it's lame duck. It's truly between, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's like a yes. month it's, and yes. some change. And nobody is paying you know. attention anyway. We're all celebrating various holidays. We're all buying right. things. We're all spending money right. we don't have and eating too much food Correct. and drinking too much wine. Nobody's paying attention. Correct. Uh, except for the people who, you know, are worrying about World War II and, you know, Somalia. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, you know what? That's why we sent them. We sent them so we don't have to worry about it. Before the 20th Amendment was ratified on January 23rd, 1933, the new president and the new Congress took office on March 4th. Jeez. Woof. Thank God we moved that back. Thank God we moved that shit back. Like, I, whoever's idea that was, God bless Godspeed. Rest in peace. Although elections were still held on the first Tuesday after the first Monday of November. So basically the 20th Amendment shortened the period of lame duck by yeah. like two months. Feels Cut right. Cut it in half. Feels right. Feels right. Yeah. Feels right. They passed the 20th Amendment because prior to that, this extended period of a lame duck session created real issues during times of national crisis. This is all coming from Ben Jacobs at at Jen. Quote, in particular, there was the matter of the Great Depression. Small matter. There is the matter of it. Small matter. The move to amend the Constitution to seat the president more rapidly came as Herbert Hoover occupied the White House while President-elect Franklin Delano Roosevelt waited in the wings powerless to change the nation's course for a quarter of a year after votes to oust Hoover were cast. Yes. That's yes. rough. Yes. That's yeah. rough. And yeah. like and uh, 
very real strife was happening and we're going to like it was prolonged just- because FDR was like Listen, I got my, like, we're ready to go. Like, tap me in, coach. We beat him. We beat him. Can I, like, put my shit in place? Yeah. The constitutional amendment cut the length of period from four months to two months, like we said, which allowed Roosevelt to take office more rapidly and implement his own reforms during the turbulent time of the Great Depression. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Put me in. I'm ready. I've been practicing. So here are some things that could potentially happen in this lame duck. Again, all of this coming from one Ben Jacobs at Jen. These are just some of the things that he's speculating could happen. Of course, it's Trump. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So, quote, there could be a last-minute push to confirm as many GOP judicial nominees as possible. Although Capitol Hill was once governed governed by the informal Thurmond rule to avoid confirmation of controversial judicial nominees during the second half of a presidential election year, this clearly does not apply anymore. Clearly not. Clearly, Clearly not. not. <laughs> Clearly not. Trump still has the full powers of the presidency available to him as a lame duck, which means he can like issue executive orders. He can do other mm-hmm. things. These are only limited by his tenure in office. So once they, once he is no longer in office and Joe Biden is sworn in as president, he no longer has these powers. While Trump could successfully push the Department of Justice to prosecute political enemies, those prosecutions would only last until he leaves office because. When he leaves, his appointed administration officials also leave. It's part of the transition. Joe Mm -hmm. Biden's people would come in and for sure Joe Biden would stop those procedures. For sure. (laughs) For For sure. sure. So he could – any executive orders issued during the transition period could also be instantly revoked. And Joe Biden's already talked about like, you know, what – that he's the some of the executive orders that have been issued, even in the the earlier parts of the Trump administration, yeah. he's already talked about overturning those and and revoking those. Trump could still issue a host of federal regulations through the formal rulemaking process. Many could be overturned by Congress under the Congressional Review Act. This provides that simple majorities of both chambers of Congress can override any federal regulation within sixty days of it being submitted. So a little bit of a fail-safe on the federal rule on the formal rulemaking process from sure. uh, the Trump administration. He can also still fully exercise his powers as commander in chief. He can declassify information as he sees fit. The only truly unlimited ability left to Trump is the power of the pardon, which mm-hmm. for you know we did an episode on that. God, way back when, so long ago, so but long ago, it's still so relevant. <laughs> it's still so relevant and so good. I love that episode. Yeah. Well, we talked about Joe Arpaio, who was oh, the yeah. former sheriff of Maricopa County in yes. Arizona. Yes. That is now, you know, is currently trending blue for Biden. So it yep. is sort of an irony of sorts, the, the, the full circle effect, really. Yes. We read his pardon out loud on, on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Trump could use his power to pardon. Uh, he could use it freely without any kind of political consequences. And of course he would because he's out of power yeah, uh, he could par- he could pardon anybody that he wanted. He could pardon associates, donors, or even himself. I love that. I know. Love that for <laughs> him. Love that for America. Trump's pardon power only applies to federal cases, not to violations of state law. But other than that, there are no limits. So you know, mm-hmm. if New York State continues to go down the the route, which I'm sure they will, of oh, investigating yeah. him and prosecuting him for various things that he has done that were illegal or presumed to be illegal, he could pardon himself for anything that could potentially reach, uh, you know, federal charges. But anything yeah. that happened within the state of New York, that the state of New York wants to prosecute him for, 
he yeah. has no power to excuse himself from those. Yeah. No, I, I foresee, I foresee, well, I foresee, because Mitch McConnell has said that he wants to now strike a deal for coronavirus, which thank you so much, Mitch. Um, So grateful to have you. So grateful like, to have you on board. <laughs> so grateful to have you on board. Thank you for finally addressing um sort of pandemic relief of a pandemic that's been raging for eight months. That he, he came out and said that that's a, a priority for the Senate, is negotiating a coronavirus deal. So... With Trump or you with know, Biden? With a corona, like with, with, I think in this next, when the Senate comes back. Oh, in the lame duck? The lame duck? I, I think. Could be wrong. He could have meant the new, the new session. Yeah. Officially. But, um, but I, I thought he meant in the lame duck session. No, I'm sure. Sh- I, I hadn't heard that. I'm sure he does because if he, I mean, his goal is to spend less money and he's going, right. it's going to be harder to negotiate the less money part of the wanting to spend less money with right. a Democratic president who will be like, no. Spend my money. But also, I can't even imagine Trump signing a bipartisan coronavirus package at this point. Only in Cran. Sorry. <laughs> exactly right. So so that the, my point was my point being that like my guess would have been that they would have gone the judges the confirmation judges route because that's all they've been doing for you know four yeah. years is just confirming a mass amount of judges yeah but I I don't know I don't know I truly I think that Trump is going to be so preoccupied with trying to get the election results overturned for the next yeah. through November yeah then you're talking about two and a half weeks of December and then it's over right like then yeah. you know. Then the the lame duck session time is out. Senators, Congress people, they are, they've gone home. Yep, they've gone home. Yep. So yeah, I mean, nobody knows what to expect from this lame duck session. I think all eyes will be on whatever legal proceedings yeah. they they try to bring forth. Obviously, again, I can't other than sort of like very staunch trump supporters and trump supporting congressional people you don't see a lot of sort of more moderate and or liberal people saying yeah oh my god this might actually this might actually turn around for him that's just like not something you're hearing at all sort of like across the board in fact no. like I, in fact, republicans i feel like if republican <laughs> It is only Giuliani. And if Republican leadership, I mean, Republicans have mostly been silent, although George Bush today announced, like, was like, congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden. You know, he oh, made good. a statement. Yeah. I saw but, Romney you know, made a statement. At, Romney, I mean, Romney made a statement, but, like, at, like Mitch McConnell hasn't made yep. a statement. I think Lindsey Graham has said he'll support Trump's legal pursuits, obviously. But, like, I think Lisa Murkowski congratulated the, mm. the pre- oh, yeah. uh, Joe Biden. But across the board, you're not seeing a ton of current higher up Republican Congress people saying anything. Yeah. And the way I see that as it's like if they thought there was a modicum of a chance that they could overturn this. Yeah. They would be raging. Yeah. It would be vocal. I think that they're just like, let's just see what the lawsuit is. Yeah. And then they, and then I imagine after tomorrow through this week you will start seeing more and more trickle in of like for sure because results. they don't they don't people like Romney and Lisa Murkowski don't want him there either like he no, has but made their like Mitch McConnell so hard but even Mitch McConnell like to have to deal with you know 
playing to the Trump base be- when Trump has power and has the power and the platform to like basically be a kingmaker among his base and the conservative base. You know, it's like I, like you I would if I would want that pressure gone. Like I like and like make Biden like make the Democrats back to being the bad guys, right? Like they'd rather have Biden in there. Somebody who they can like actually argue blame. against. Yeah, sure. blame. Sure. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. It is interesting that, you know, you have seen kind of a a silence among Republican senators primarily and also House members, you know, yeah. just kind of across the board. Yeah. I was There's surprised a- that George Bush said something. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that makes, I mean, what stake does he have in the game? <laughs> His, rep- his, None. his Republican Party is gone. Yeah, and I was watching – the one thing that I did find interesting that I was watching yesterday was, the, like, the New York ticker – the, sorry, the New York Times ticker on the side that has, like, the running commentary of, like, the latest news. And it's it, – yesterday it was all, like, so-and-so congratulates Biden on a win. So-and-so congratulates – and it would be, like, you know, once in a while it would be, like, a Republican House member. And you're, like, oh, mm-hmm. Okay, thank okay. you. Some decency, some decency. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's just, quite simply, there's just no way for these results to be overturned, I think, legally. No. Now, there is always that chance of some sort of insane, what I would call, uh, abuse of power. Mm-hmm. That could happen, but at this point, again, the margins are just not narrow enough to flip the amount no. of states that Trump needs to flip. No. Georgia, maybe, because it's 10,000. Mm-hmm. But once but you start getting that, into the 20s, so many, yeah. and especially the 30s, Pennsylvania's in the 40s and yep. climbing, they project that it'll probably be around 50,000 that separate him, uh, Joe Biden and Trump. It's like... Yeah, it's just crazy to think of any scenario where you can somehow overturn or get rid of or mark invalid 50,000 votes. Yeah. It's pretty wild. So we'll see. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Future Lizzie will have reported on it probably very briefly earlier in this episode. So we thank you, Future Lizzie, for your work. Thank you, Future Lizzie. (laughs) We love you so much. And, you know, we'll just kind of see how this thing shakes out. Obviously, I was surprised and not surprised about various aspects of this election. I am I'm yep. glad we are turning a corner on it and we are looking at final, like, final results will start coming in. I feel very confident in the projections of, like I said, of Biden being the next president of the United States and Kamala. Very excited mm-hmm. about Kamala Harris. Yep. And, you know, we'll just keep doing some educational little episodes and learning more about, you know, whatever we want to learn about. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you know, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.